Shall we pray? Dear Lord, make me a nail upon the wall, fastened securely in its place. Then from this thing so common and so small, hang a bright picture of thy face. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. The topic of this hour study is my very personal Savior. And our texts of Scripture are Isaiah 45, verse 22. Look unto me, and be you saved, all you ends of the earth. Acts 16.31 Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. 1 John 2:25 And this is the promise that he hath promised us even eternal life. My wife and I received many many wonderful letters. I'm thinking of two letters that we received in the mail one day among the many others. One was from a teenage girl, perhaps she was 19 years of age. It was just a one-page letter, casually written, in which she stated, when you're holding a series of meetings at Milo Academy, I was really blessed. I enjoyed them very much. But since then, I have in a special way realized what the ABCs of prayer can mean as Jesus answers my needs. The first example is that I'm engaged to a wonderful, consecrated young man. And then she went on to give the second example. She talked about Jesus. She said, I do claim him, and she began to underscore. I do claim him as my very personal, and when she said, when she wrote the word Savior, she underscored it four times. I do claim him as my very personal Savior. I rushed into the other room where my wife was studying. I said, honey, look at this letter. Teenagers are finding Jesus Christ as their very personal Savior. And then I opened another letter. It was from a lady perhaps 73 years of age. In this letter, she exulted in Christ. She said, for 40 years, I have believed the, quote, truth, unquote. But she said, during these 40 years, I have never understood how to claim Jesus Christ as my very personal Savior. But she said, as I have read, read one of your books on the ABCs of prayer, I have now placed my hand in the hand of the crucified, and I know that he is my personal Savior. My friends, it is worth worlds for any human soul to be able to say, Jesus is my very personal Savior. If you would like, would you open your Bibles with me if you have one handy and place your finger on the promise of 1 John 2:25. Here is a promise of the promises. It says, and this is the promise that he hath promised us, 
even eternal life. How many times I've invited an audience to place their finger on that promise and where it says us for them to place their first and last names. And it would read like this. This is the promise that he hath promised Glenn Kuhn, even eternal life. Friend, as you view this program, would you like to place your name in the us? Your first and last name, as I place my first and last name in the text, together. And this is the promise that he hath promised Glenn Kuhn, even eternal life. I remember the first time that I ever inserted my name in that promise. It did something to my soul. The Holy Spirit activated the assurance that he was my very personal Savior, and he is my Savior today. But in order for him to be our personal Savior, we must fix our gaze on him. Isaiah 45, 22 says, Look unto me, and you will be saved all you ends of the earth, in other words, in whatever circumstances you find yourself, no matter in what sin you may find yourself enmeshed, you may be a prostitute, you may be a homosexual, you may be a thief, you may be a sanctimonious Pharisee, but if you look away from self to Jesus Christ, all of us may be saved, any of us may be saved and will be saved as we fix our gaze on him, we emulate him, we follow him in a trusting confidence. And then, Acts 16.31, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. This is a three-part promise that was given to the jailer at Philippi by Paul. You remember the setting. He was ready to, co to commit suicide, for he thought I, he would be executed because the prisoners he thought had escaped. And Paul said, do yourself no harm. We're all here. And, he, and he, he grasped the light and he sprang in and he said, what must I do to be saved? And they gave him a three-part promise. Believe on the Lord, believe on Jesus, believe on Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ. This is a three-part promise. To believe on the Lord means that we simply make him the Lord of our life. We accept his lordship. He maps out our program. He gives the directives. We follow his directives. To believe on Jesus means that while we cannot of ourselves follow his directives, we cannot save ourselves. It is not a do-it-yourself religion. We believe on Jesus, Matthew 1 21, thou shalt call his name Jesus. He shall save his people from their sins. It's not legalism. We cannot accomplish salvation ourselves, but he's promised to do it. So to believe on the Lord Jesus is to permit him to be the Lord of our life, to permit him to save us when we, since we cannot save ourselves. To believe on the Lord Jesus Christ means that the Christ, which means anointed, John 1 41, will also anoint us with the Holy Spirit. We may be spirit-filled, and so the Lord becomes the Lord of my life. Jesus becomes my personal Savior. Christ fills me with his Holy Spirit. 
and I shall be saved as I continue accepting his lordship, him as my savior, and the infilling of his Holy Spirit. Some time ago, we're holding a series of meetings in a certain city in the United States. And as we were uplifting Jesus in his beauty, even though in a feeble human way, we sensed the presence of his Holy Spirit. About Wednesday night of that week, a man called the pastor at the midnight hour. He said, Pastor, I've heard something this week that I'm thrilled with. I've seen a picture of Jesus Christ, and I want to give my life to him. This man had once been one of the outstanding leaders of the church. He'd been in evangelistic work, and then he lost his hold on the Lord, and he went far out into the world. But as we sought to uplift Jesus Christ, as the personal savior of ourselves and all who would believe, it struck home to his heart. And he said, I, I want to give my life to Jesus. Early the next morning, the pastor and I met him at his motel room. And there, he started talking to us about some of his bad habits. I said, brother, I don't want to discuss your bad habits. I want to talk to you about Jesus Christ the Savior of the world, the one who is the Lord over all habits of evil. And as we discussed Jesus, and he got his eyes fixed on Jesus Christ, his habits melted away. Oh, he was so happy as the tears rolled down his cheeks as he gave himself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. During that week, we went over to visit another man who for 69 years had been a professing Christian, but the man had been living a defeated life in Christ. And as we walked into his home, we knew that he was under the guilt of evil habits. We did not discuss any of those evil habits. We talked to him about Jesus Christ, his lordship. He is our savior if we will receive him, and he will fill us with his Holy Spirit. As we prayed with him and then went on our way to the church, we received a message over our CB radio. Would you immediately go back to this man's home? It was several miles away. When we drove out to his home and walked in the house, this man was in tears. His daughter had been reading to him from the Gospel of John. Oh, what a wonderful Gospel to read from. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. This man had found Jesus Christ. We visited in home after home after home that week, rejoicing in the knowledge that Individuals who had been steeped in sin, in various evil habits, who had lost their hold on Jesus Christ, had found new hope, new strength, new faith, new courage in Jesus. As the week was coming to an end, the pastor said, there's one other man I would like to have you see. 
And let me tell you about this individual. We were traveling in the middle of the afternoon, and uh, the pastor said, there he is now, wheeling that wheelbarrow down the sidewalk. He said, you know, he's evidently helping somebody. He said he has a heart as big as a bushel. But he said, this, this man has been asking me to baptize him. He would like to unite with the, with the church family. But he said he's challenged me that if I baptize him, he must be privileged to attend his veterans meeting every other Friday night, even though it extends far into the Holy Sabbath hours. And he said, yes, let's, let's drive up to the curb. And he said, you can roll down your window and I'll introduce you. Why don't you invite him to come to the meeting tonight? So as we did so, uh, I said, brother, we're having a meeting tonight. We'd be happy to have you come. That man barked back, I'm going to my veterans meeting tonight. And the pastor said, you might suggest that uh, we're having a meeting in the morning at 11 o'clock. And I thought to myself, the way he barked at me over the meeting tonight, I don't know whether I want to venture that invitation or not. But anyhow, I did. I said, well, we shall have another meeting in the morning at 11 o'clock. He said, I'll be there. And sure enough, the next morning he was sitting there. As I was presenting the topic, my very personal Savior. That morning I invited people to open their Bibles, as I mentioned earlier in this program, to place their finger on the promise that says this is the promise that he has promised us, even eternal life. We had a blessed sitting together. I presented to them the promises that I have already shared with you, the three-part promise of Acts, 1631. And I spelled it out and developed the thought. And then at the close, I invited anyone who came that morning without the assurance of having Jesus as their personal Savior to just step to the altar. We ministers stepped down off the rostrum and shook hands with the people as they came forward and offered just a quick sentence of prayer. Scores, if not hundreds of people, came to the altar. The front of the church was completely filled. The aisles were filled halfway back. And then as we were singing the last chorus, I said, now there may be some individuals here this morning who couldn't possibly get out and up to the front of the church. There's no room there. And the aisles are filled most of the way. And then I added, but if there's a soul here this morning, and I was thinking of this 83-year-old war veteran, I said, if there's any heart here this morning who has been impressed to receive Jesus as your personal Savior, to make him the Lord of your life, even though you cannot get out into the aisle, why don't you take a simple step right where you are? This will be your gesture of faith in the Lord and of a decision. And we sang the chorus once more. Then the benediction was offered. I was standing right beside this 83-year-old war veteran. I felt impressed 
to immediately reach over and put my hand on his shoulder and pray a very short prayer. And this was the prayer I prayed. Dear Lord, thank you for my friend's decision for Jesus. It was only one sentence. You see, when we pray in public, we do not believe in praying these long Magellan prayers. Many of you have heard me speak about Magellan prayers before, perhaps. A Magellan prayer is a prayer when people pray all around the world while others hope they'll put in a port somewhere. We can make contact with God in a short sentence as well as in a large book full of prayers. So I said, thank you, Lord, for this brother's decision for Jesus. And my wife was standing about 20 feet away with a pastor. And later, when we returned home, she said, you know, when you prayed that short prayer, you prayed it so, it was so short. She said that, that I didn't know you're praying scarcely till you're through. And she said, I saw the man as you said, amen. I saw him and heard him say, Ugh. and she said, the pastor said to me, never mind, everything is all right. That afternoon, as I stood up to speak at the three o'clock meeting, the pastor said to me, Brother Kuhn, before you speak, will you make an announcement for me? Will you invite anyone who would like to be baptized tomorrow night to meet us in the pastor's study immediately at the close of this service? I thought to myself, I'm afraid this pastor is in trouble. This, this war veteran might come forward. And I'd already learned that he was a very profane man also. He might come forward still holding on to his profanity and to his Sabbath breaking and to his stubbornness, having never surrendered to the Lord. He might come in there the afternoon and say, I want to be baptized tomorrow night, but I am still going to my veterans meeting. But I thought to myself, after all, I just work here. He, he has instructed me to make the announcement. I will let him handle the problem. So I made the announcement. Anyone who would like to be baptized tomorrow evening, would you meet us in the pastor's study immediately at the close of this service? And sure enough, friends, you've guessed it. In came that 83-year-old war veteran. In came the motel owner that we had met that morning in the motel room. In came another man who was 69 years of age to whom I referred a few moments ago, who'd had this bad habit. And in came two little boys, about uh, nine or 10 years of age, coming in to request baptism for the next night. I said to myself, I'm in trouble. How in the world are we going to prepare this war veteran who has never really surrendered to the Lord as far as we know, unless he did when I prayed for him this morning, what are we going to do? So I claim the promise of the Holy Spirit, Luke eleven thirteen. I also claim the promise in my heart for, for wisdom as found in James 1, 5. I just darted this prayer, this request to the Lord silently, and the Lord darted back the answer. Keep this man looking to Jesus Christ. Don't get bogged down in things. Things are good. 
The commandments are good. The doctrines of God are good. The standards are good. But standards cannot save a human soul. All the theories in the Word of God, no matter how good they are, they cannot save. Salvation is found in a person. So the Lord was saying to me, keep this man looking to Jesus Christ and to, to his making Jesus the Lord of his life. So as we sat, I said, people, just like I said this morning, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. This is why you're here. This is why you're requesting to be baptized tomorrow night. You have made the Lord of life and glory your Lord. You have accepted his lordship. And you have accepted the salvation of Jesus Christ, who will fill you with the Holy Spirit, or words to that effect. I said, now, is there a question? Sure enough, the 83-year-old man, with his eyes like beads, fighting beads, looked me full in the face, and he said, Brother, if I am baptized tomorrow night, can I still attend my veterans meeting every other Friday night? And then he pointed to the flag. He said, Remember, veterans would have been willing to shed their life blood for that flag. How would you answer a man like that? I darted another prayer silently to heaven. I asked God again for the Holy Spirit. I asked the Lord for wisdom. The Bible says, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will testify of Jesus. So if the Holy Spirit guided me, I would keep testifying of Jesus. I would keep his eyes fixed on Jesus. For look unto me and you'll be saved. And the Lord darted back the answer as I sought his aid. Keep this man looking to Jesus. Don't get bogged down in things. I said, brother, this morning a wonderful thing happened. You accepted the Lord as the Lord of your life. That's what happened. That's why you're here preparing for baptism tomorrow night. Because you have believed on the Lord. You've accepted Jesus as your personal Savior. That's why you're here. You really have accepted him, haven't you? And I nodded, and he didn't nod. He just looked at me. He glared at me. And I repeated it several times. This is a wonderful step you, you people took this morning. You have accepted Jesus as your Lord, as your Savior. You've accepted his Holy Spirit as your guide. And then... The man fixed his gaze on me again. Those two little beady eyes seemed as though they were right in the warfare, in the middle of a hot battle. And he said, but is it against the rules of the church? You know what I did? <laughs> again, I darted a prayer to heaven, claiming the promise of the Holy Spirit, the promise for wisdom, that I might know how to reply. Of course it was against the rules of the church. Of course it was against the Ten Commandments. He knew the, the Fourth Commandment. He knew that the Lord had said, From even to even you shall celebrate the Sabbath. He knew the Bible said the even is when the sun sets. He knew that for years and had known it for years. For me to get bogged down in things, no matter how good, and cause him, permit him to get his eyes off of Christ, would be to spell defeat. 
I said, brother, I don't want you to think one thing about any of the rules of the church. Between now and tonight, I want you to talk this over with Jesus Christ. You made him the Lord of your life, didn't you? And I nodded again because he didn't. That's the way to talk about Jesus. Not faith in the people, friends. I said, now, between now and tonight, you talk that over with Jesus. And we shall see you tonight after the meeting. The meeting took place that evening. After the meeting, we forgot all about that man, which was a providence of the Lord, by the way, for we keep our appointments. The next morning, after my wife and I were through with our worship, she said, ah, oh, we forgot that little old man. She said, I saw him coming out of the pastor's study. I said, oh, I'm sorry we forgot him. I called the pastor on the telephone. I said, pastor, we forgot to meet with that little old gentleman. I don't have one moment left for today. Would you possibly be able to work it in your day's program? The pastor replied, Brother Kuhn, not 15 minutes ago, this man called me on the telephone. He said he was in tears. And he said to me this, Pastor, I didn't sleep a moment all night. I was fighting this out with my Lord. When the pastor uttered those words, I knew the victory was there because the Lord is the captain of our salvation. He's always a winner. And he said, Pastor, as of today, I am resigning my position, for they've just elevated me to the highest position. I'm also resigning my membership. We didn't suggest his resigning his membership. We didn't suggest his resigning his position. And he said, and tonight I'm going to be baptized. That night we baptized 13 including this wonderful war veteran. Do you know, friends, when that man was baptized, his face was like the face of an angel. Oh, it was a wonderful occasion. The Holy Spirit graced that assembly, I assure you. Wednesday night of that week, he was in prayer meeting. He stood up and made his, and gave his testimony. This week has been the happiest week of my life. Friends, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Make him the Lord of your life. Let Jesus do the saving. You just rest in the arms of infinite love. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.